Thanks to Indeed for supporting the Apple Bits XL. Hiring is one of those things that you do not want to mess up. With the stakes this high, there is only one choice, and that's Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Offer valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. And thanks also to Feels for supporting the podcast as well. Feels has me feeling my best, and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash AppleBits, and you'll get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the AppleBits XL. Brian Tong here, your host with the most, a.k.a. BTZ. Doing the show nice and easy. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. If you are new, we just we got some big open arms for you. Come on, bring it in. Bring it in. Hug time. Hug, hug. All right, we're good. So this show covers the latest and greatest, kind of all the big news inside, outside the world of Apple, but really centering on Apple and then the kind of greater tech world around it. The show, um, right now we're kind of in a lull because, look, there was a lot of rumors that were building up to a March 23rd event. We were talking about it. Multiple people were talking about it, but it's not going down. I know. Believe that. So we will talk all about that in a second. First of all, some orders of business. Be a part of the show. All you got to do is call in and record a voice memo. Your phone can do it. Your laptop can do it, whether you're on Apple, Android, Mac, PC, uh, another planet even. We, we did get a call from an alien recently, but I couldn't understand it, so I did not play it. But all you got to do, record that voice memo, send along applebitsshow at gmail.com. The topics, the things you want to talk about, comments, critiques, reactions, thoughts, ideas, it all makes the show better. So send in your calls, applebitsshow at gmail.com. Also, this show is brought to you by you. Patreon.com is the way to support this. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong starting at $2 a month. If my content is worth a cup of coffee, that's $5 a month. We got the 10, the 25, the $100 platinum level. That is how you support all my content, but benefits that you get directly here, early access to my content, including videos and podcasts, bonuses at each level, and the biggest thing, a completely ad-free version of the show. No ads whatsoever. A lot of you like that. So patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you support it. And thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Let's get into the news. Um, there's not a bunch of heavy news this week, but we're going to kind of run through stuff. Um, kind of the biggest news actually happened over the weekend. We will talk about that. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. But the Apple event, it's just not happening. March 23rd was the date that was given out. We had three of the top, more reliable leakers say March 23rd was the date until it wasn't. And again, none of this is ever confirmed until it's confirmed. I love that there was a headline from a former employer that had said Apple to hold event on March 23rd. Literally, didn't use the word rumored. Uh, there was no confirmation from Apple. Just just want to throw it out there. Sometimes you got to get the clicks, baby. But look, the event now looks to be moved to April. Um, some people are buzzing a little bit about maybe early April, maybe April 6th, but none of this is official until it's official. But the funny thing, it's kind of like the inside baseball behind all this. John Prosser, who is a friend of the show, who's come on a bunch of times, and him and I text a bunch, he was saying how it was curious to him that why, why did they all hear March 23rd? He had a source, one of his best sources, that said it's happening in April, but everyone else heard March 23rd as well. 
And there's kind of this chatter, this idea of thinking that maybe Apple put that out, that leak to try and identify what inner circles within Apple may be leaking that information. Like they're trying to tighten it up. So that March 23rd date could have been a way for them to test to see who's leaking what. I mean, that's just when you start really getting conspiracy theories or honestly, someone could have just gotten the day wrong. But April is now when we're expecting to see, potentially, if you haven't heard this already, new iPad Pros, new AirPods, potentially the third generation AirPods, and AirTags. Those are all in play. We've also heard reports that the Apple, a new Apple TV is ready to go as well. But all attention now will shift over to April. So if we're talking about iPad Pros, well, then you got you to gotta imagine that there were reports about the new iPad Pro. We pretty much know exactly what we're going to get. Still two sizes, 11 and 12.9 inch screen sizes. But Bloomberg reports that this April timeframe is exactly aligned with the new Thunderbolt and mini LED display based iPad Pros that should be coming sometime next month. We know those still, again, 11 and 12.9-inch screens. They will feature a new updated A14X processor that, according to reports and according to Bloomberg, is going to be on par with the M1 chip in the MacBook Air, the MacBook Pro, and the Mac Mini. It'll also come with improved cameras. But here's the thing. The iPad Pro has already had way, way more power than it ever needed. Uh, we We haven't even come close to even tapping into... 75% of its full potential, quite honestly. So when I see that an updated A14X processor that's on par with an M1 chip could be coming, I I actually, right now, I shrug my shoulders and be like, mm, okay, because since the original iPad Pro, we still haven't seen any Pro apps that fully take advantage of that power. I think the biggest thing you see is when it uh, renders out videos from the device. Maybe if you... um. Lord help me, took videos by holding your iPad Pro as a video camera. I'm not a fan of that. Never have been. But Apple's also tested these new iPad Pros with a Thunderbolt connector that would make them compatible with additional external monitors, hard drives, and peripherals. So that could be kind of another new wrinkle to, again, have these evolve slowly but surely into more than just a tablet. You have the Magic Keyboard, there's been rumblings that a new Magic Keyboard is coming out as well um, that might be sized differently. John Prosser told us that on the show a couple weeks ago. So there are kind of little hints that this will be a new thing, uh, more than just a little mini update. For me, the mini LED display, obviously that's going to more than likely push me to get it. I'm assuming and hoping you'll have better power consumption, energy consumption usage with that. Um, The Thunderbolt port is intriguing. For me, still holding on to that 2018 iPad Pro, had no reason to upgrade. But with a new display, the thing is that I don't know how much of a difference visually that display is really going to make. I remember we used to have, um, was it the iPad Pro second generation that the display itself was able to support? I don't think it was Dolby Vision at least at that time, but it was at least HDR. It supported high dynamic range because it was able to hit deeper black levels and brighter brights. Uh, the new, most recent displays with the new design iPad Pro do not. So I'm hoping that mini LED brings that back. I know it's still a smaller display, but 
I'm all about that HDR Dolby Vision content. And then you add, you know, your little headphones on there with app spatial audio. That's another bonus. And then, you know, everyone knows that the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League just came out and people were kind of freaking out that, oh, it's four by three on my widescreen TV. And it's formatted that way because it's meant to, it's natively shot and meant to be on a huge IMAX screen, which is closer to that format. Um, is it one point? Is it one three three by one? Something similar to that. Um, so, look, the iPad Pro actually is a more square screen, and a lot of people are saying that. Oh, it, it was fine watching my iPad, but everyone home's like, I, I don't, I'm not getting enough image quality. My answer to that is, could just go buy a bigger TV. But the iPad Pro, perfect to enjoy the Snyder Cut in all its glory. I mean, I love it. Look, let's be honest. We all love it when it fills the screen. So the report, latest report from Bloomberg, new iPad Pros as early as April, and then also a lot of chatter around Apple potentially still working on an iPad mini with a larger display, but that looks like it'll be planned for later in the year. And then AirPods 3 still in play. If they don't announce AirTags at this event, I, I'm going to really stop caring, but we'll see. Ming-Chi Kuo, back at it again, just kind of piggyback on the iPad Pro report. Mini LED for the 12.9-inch Pro will enter mass production in mid to late April. Now, if that holds true, it'll be interesting to see when the actual announcement falls in April so that it would be able to be timed with the inventory. So maybe that April 6th date is ambitious because even though Apple will typically do announcements, I mean, I guess with the pandemic and how things have been different in the factory level, it's not like we have to see it within a week. So we order it within a week and then maybe it comes later in the month. But anyways, Ming-Chi Kuo says mass production mid to late April. Either way, iPad Pros come in this spring. Now we look forward to future iPad Pros. We've heard a lot of, there was like confusion for a while about reports of iPads getting OLED displays. And then everyone thinking, well, if you're getting an OLED display, what, you're just going to do mini LED for a year? Well, a new report from Quo says that, in fact, it'll be the iPad Air in 2022 that is expected to adopt the new OLED displays in the second half of that year, while the mini LED display that we are expected to get this year in the iPad Pro will remain exclusive to the higher-end iPad Pro models. Now, some of you, you know, that listen and watch my content on my channel know that I love TVs. I'm a big, big home theater junkie, I guess you could say. So what are really the big differences between mini LED and then you have OLED? Well, the biggest thing is OLED will still give you the deepest blacks you can get. Uh, mini LED is still an uh, LCD backlit display. And the biggest differences here is that mini LED is uh, the blacks, the contrast, the colors are, are probably going to be better than what we have today, but they still won't be at that OLED level, but they're also cheaper to produce. They're not as expensive. OLED is an organic light emitting diode. So what that means is each little pixel is like a organic material. And over time, they can potentially suffer from things like burn in or color degradation where that's not the case with mini LED. So you have like plus and minuses for both sides. 
But ultimately, both of these displays, no matter what iPad it's going to be, they're going to look amazing. I mean, if you look at the Samsung uh, tablets, their latest ones, they're using OLED displays, and those are still the best displays on a tablet that I've seen up to this point. But, you know, I'm an iPad guy. What can I say? Another report says the MacBook Air, which is targeted for some time in 2022, this would be a new first entry-level Mac to feature many LED displays for the first time. It looks like it's been the MacBook Air, according to another report from Ming-Chi Kuo and his supply chain. In his report, he says that we expect the new MacBook Air will adopt a mini LED in 2022, increasing the MacBook's mini LED adoption rate. In contrast, only the high-end iPad models will use mini LED displays, and the overall growth momentum may be lower than that of MacBooks. So it's interesting because I'm an OLED guy. Um, I've always been an OLED guy. Really, the next the next next level that gets super exciting is micro LED, which is basically all the benefits of OLED without the drawback of it being an organic material. So the colors maintain you don't experience that burn in. Uh, allegedly, reportedly, uh, Samsung is going to be releasing the first micro LED displays this year, but they're going to be a huge jointed kind of wall panel that is going to cost tens of thousands of dollars to hundreds of thousands of dollars. So that's not anywhere close in the realm of possibility for our devices yet. But but the display technology is evolving, but I've always been team OLED. So I'm going to be really curious to see how the mini LED display on an iPad matches up with the mini LED display or an OLED display. And will there be that big of a difference? Because there's definitely a difference in the technology with the TVs. All right, let's take a break right now and give a big thanks to Indeed for sponsoring this podcast. Hiring is one of those things that you do not want to mess up. You need to hire great people if you want to take your entire business to the next level. And with the stakes this high, there's only one choice, and that's Indeed. Indeed.com is the hiring site that helps you find quality candidates with Indeed's instant match. And Indeed searches through the millions of resumes in their database to help show you great candidates instantly. So you can do the part you really need faster, meeting and hiring great people. Unlike some hiring sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility, delivering a quality shortlist faster. With Indeed, there are no long-term contracts. You can pause your account at any time and you only pay for what you need. With Instant Match, you're going to see a list of great candidates right away and Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to TalentNest. Do you want your quality short list fast? You need Indeed. Right now, get a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. This is Indeed's best offer available anywhere. Get a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. That's Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Offer valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. And also, big thanks to Fields for sponsoring the AppleBits XL as well. Do you experience stress? Do any of you have anxiety or chronic pain or have trouble sleeping at least once a week? Guess what? You're not alone. Many of us do. I've been independent. I'm almost independent for three years now. And there are plenty of times where it's harder for me to sleep with just so much going on in my head. So I tried out Feels and Feels is a premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep. I used it to actually help regulate my sleep to get on a better sleeping schedule and be more productive because there's nights where I'm staying up till 5, 6 a.m. And Feels naturally helps reduce stress, 
anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. It's easy to take. You just place a few drops of feels under your tongue and then you let it sit there for about 30 seconds. Then in about 30 minutes, you're going to start feeling its effects and you're not getting high here. The thing to remember about CBD is that finding your right dose is important and everyone's is different. So leave room to kind of experiment over the course of a week or so. And you you may need to take more or less to get those effects that you're after. Now, Feels is also different because it offers a free CBD hotline and text message support to help guide your personal experience. Plus, there's a very detailed, informative guide that details everything you need to do. And I'm not going to just try CBD without the proper information. Feels works naturally to help you feel better. There is no high hangover or addiction. And I was a little nervous at first when I tried it because it was so new, but it's helped really calm me down during those extremely stressful deadline times where I'm reviewing product after product and I can just turn my mind off. Feels helped me get back into a routine when I needed it and it can help you all too. You can join the Feels community to get Feels delivered to your door every month. You'll save money on every order and you can pause or cancel anytime. Feels has me feeling my best every day and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash Applebits and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash Applebits to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash Applebits. All right, so let's get back to the stories and you're probably wondering why I didn't lead with it. Well, because the news is almost a week old, which is kind of crazy now, but after I recorded my podcast, I believe I recorded on Thursday last week. Today I'm recording it on Friday. Well, right after that, the next day, Apple put out an announcement, and it wasn't even in the morning, it was later in the day, that they had officially discontinued the HomePod. Now, not everyone knows about this because people are still um, sending me messages and comments about it. So I'm going to, before we get into that, I'm going to start off with a, a nice, fun voicemail that Mike sent from Baltimore that will end up answering, but it was better just to do it now instead of later. And uh, Mike, I also like your soothing, your soothing dulcet tones. Hello, Brian. This is, this is Mike from Baltimore. And I just want to make a couple of comments about the uh, HomePod speaker. Uh, it's my understanding that the HomePod uh, speaker is not selling very well. Um, that's, that includes both the, the original HomePod and the HomePod Mini. Um, and I think the reason for that is probably because it's not versatile enough. Um, I have one of the Google um, smart speakers, and it's it's uh, it works on both the Android platform and the uh, iOS platform, and it has also has Bluetooth, which the HomePod uh, doesn't have. Uh, and uh, I just think that uh, you know, in order for Apple to um, uh, profit from this speaker, they need to make it more versatile. Um, Mr. Mike, you are 100% correct. And I agree with you 100% because those are many of the reasons that Apple canceled it, right? Not, okay. Let's not use the words cancel. Discontinue. Now it was really funny because look, we, most of us here are big, deep in the ecosystem. We enjoy Apple products. The HomePod was quite honestly, one of the reasons why it failed, you can go down the list, right? too high of a price for what it was starting at $349. I did that video where we broke down all the different things that were wrong with it. Siri, still not impressive, right? Just not good enough. 
the other things uh the fact that it's not even compatible over bluetooth so only iphones can talk to the home pod that was trash the fact that its music services were limited up until now it still doesn't have spotify but it has pandora support and um i believe amazon music support and a few others um okay that's better but also a big advantage it's privacy but still hurt it from functionality and that was a choice that apple made but i still think siri could have still been and still can be really good without completely i almost sometimes think privacy is being used as an excuse of why it's not as good because we can still talk to these things and it doesn't have to you know keep all of our data in the cloud and it can still be done locally on device so we have all these all these multiple ways oh also smart home device compatibility is pretty pathetic they had recently announced at the last WWDC that they were going they were building an alliance with people like Google and Amazon and uh, other if this and that other protocols to kind of create a universal protocol for smart homes which would potentially open up the floodgates for smart home device compatibility um that still hasn't happened and you know I can I'll I'll reserve judgment say okay maybe pandemic affected that as well although it probably shouldn't so all those reasons, and again, it was three forty nine out of the gates. But I think you could you could cite each one of those price. You could even cite as the biggest thing. But I I think as time has gone on and I've, and I've thought about it, the biggest reason why it also wasn't a success is because Apple's own users, the majority of them, didn't believe in it. Right? Apple has this power and this ability to start tech movements because of their marketing machine, their marketing muscle, their built-in true fan base not just customers but fans like many of us here who will buy almost everything apple the home pod was the first device that i did not sign up for right out of the gates to even want to try as a consumer um back then i was working at another company so you know you can you'll get one to review but i did not normally i always buy one to get it earlier to review on my own i didn't even care and i think most of you didn't care and once you already lose their core base, which can kind of drive that influence, uh, it just wasn't going to happen. And Apple users are also honestly really smart in general, at least the loyalists. And we all knew it stunk. Now, there were even reports that the original plan was for Apple to potentially be working on more of an Apple TV with speaker functionality. And then Apple kind of let part of the engineering team have at it and go at this HomePod. And the thing is that it is an engineering marvel. The sound that comes out of it at that size is amazing. I, I mean, I say this a lot, so many of you have heard this, but the sound was truly impressive. But it was not $349 worth it. It wasn't $299 worth it. That's what they've lowered the price to after a year. I bought mine on sale, uh, refurbished at a Best Buy for $199. It might have even been $149, but it was... So that was the price that I felt that it was worth it. And it was. But the HomePod dying and being discontinued is not a surprise. I mean, you had some people say, uh, it's not officially dead until it's dead, right? Like holding on to hope that maybe, and maybe Apple will give, throw a bone to get a few little software updates. But discontinued means they're no longer manufacturing, they're no longer producing it. People that went to go and buy a HomePod kind of as a, a souvenir, a collector's item, because we have that type of rabid fan base. 
they were getting home pods where when you looked at i believe the it was either the software build on the home pod it was the original one the power cables became kind of ashy and dusty because they were the original home pods still in the same box from over three years ago that had never sold through inventory. So there's a reason why the HomePod is being discontinued. And yeah, I did like the sound, but come on now. The HomePod right out of the gates, that was a bad apple. You can't dispute that. I mean, if you want to come to its defense, I would love for you to call. Again, I love the sound, but was there really anything else that I cared that I truly cared about the uh, HomePod? It never replaced my Amazon system. I don't want to say the magic word. It never replaced the Google devices that I use just even for review. I still have those, some of those plugged in. Some of those, like one. Um, and it was way too late to the game. $99 HomePod Mini, too late. And it hasn't changed the dynamic of the HomePod success. We don't we don't even know what the impact of the mini is, but I'm guessing it's pretty pretty minimal, pretty minimal. So, to that, you know, you were great. You were you were good to us. I I guess HomePod? I'm not I'm not really that sad that it's passing. I mean, I I I don't like to see when Apple products don't succeed, but yeah. We'll see on the flip side, HomePod. You know, the funny thing is also you got you got comments on youtube videos and i thought it was fun to read some of these because we didn't have calls of people reacting to it so um frankie tech said damn that is tragic i have loved my home pod but i can understand why it failed siri you suck all caps on the uh suck all for one said you know what's a sad apple me listening to this video on my stereo home pods and that's another thing. One of the features that kind of just actually been recently rolled out was the ability to use two home pods to an Apple TV for Dolby Atmos sound. So you know that got some people in the community excited. I'm sure some of you might have even bought home pods because of that. Well, that's no lo- it is still supported, but that's no longer going to be a selling point because they're just going to sell through their inventory. And then also the home pod mini clearly does not sound anywhere near the level of what the HomePod is at. But yeah, that that's not happening either. Okay, two more. Cool uh, EO said, I heard the HomePod in Best Buy and the sound was amazing, but I just couldn't get behind the price tag. Also Max Keto 2. That's what happens when a product sticks to a high and unjustifiable price for years with Siri lacking true AI and lots of restrictions for usage experience. R.I.P. And then the final user, I can't say their name because it's it's a little offensive. The HomePod was the dumbest smart speaker, but damn, did it sound great. That's how I feel. That's how I feel about that. So the HomePod is discontinued. Fine, I'm not going to use the word dead, but to me, the HomePod is dead. Another thing that's dead, the iMac Pro was officially discontinued. We talked about it, but now it's been removed from Apple's site and no longer available for purchase as of the re- this recording. Th- that information just happened. The iMac Pro not only officially discontinued, but no longer available to purchase 
from the Apple online store. So say la vie, you can't have that with the M1 coming into the mix or the M1X or the M2. Now, if we look down into future stuff, I mean, Ming-Chi Kuo has been going off on these reports about the Apple VR AR headset. So I'm just going to throw this one in here because it is of interest. So in the latest report, Quo says Apple's mixed reality headset will feature eye tracking system with iris recognition being a possibility. Now, iris recognition would mean that there's cameras inside of the eye headset that could track the movement of your eyes and be able to read where you're basically glancing or gazing and then use that to help you navigate the OS of these glasses. The company that was able to do that but we never saw that never whose product never saw the light of day. Do you remember Magic Leap? If you don't look them up, Magic Leap, uh, they had some great demo videos. I even interviewed a uh, former Warriors Finals MVP. I say it like that because he's one of my favorite players, Andre Iguodala, who had actually talked and revealed that the Magic Leap used eye tracking and someone's gaze to select items with just your eyes and not your hands. Well, Magic Leap is no longer in the business. So this would be Apple attempting to incorporate that. Uh, In the report, it says Apple's eye tracking system includes a transmitter and a receiver. The transmitting end provides one or several different wavelengths of invisible light and the receiving end detects the change of the invisible light reflected by the eyeball and then judges the eyeball movement based on the change. Quo kind of reiterates that, oh, most of these VR AR headsets are operated by handheld controllers that can't provide a smooth user experience. I mean, I actually like the tactile feel, especially when it comes to gaming. So that might be someone, Quo's maybe not like using VR that much, but the Oculus Quest 2 is awesome. I I think it's actually more accurate. This this eye tracking would have to be extremely, extremely real-time accurate. But if it is, it'd be cool. I'm, I'm not... I'm not counting on it, quite honestly, because this is still a ways out. The report is that Apple would release its mixed reality headset at the earliest in mid-2022. The the early reports did say that this was expected to be a VR, AR headset, but mostly more geared towards VR with potential Sony Micro OLED displays to to provide this see-through AR experience, um, as well as VR. We don't know what the quality of those external cameras would be to give us a true AR experience, but this is still mostly a virtual reality device. And again, we'll see what happens with this. Uh, The platform, it takes time to build a true platform and ecosystem that is VR based. And I'm loving everything that Oculus has done. And I don't own a PC, so I haven't taken it kind of to that next level. Although I know you can physically plug it in, but you know, we don't want that. We just want a fully wireless, as light as possible, super sleek experience that eventually gets to eyeglasses. I think that they should go a little retro here and kind of harken back to one of the products that defined Apple. And if you remember, of course you remember, that was the iPod. And so I think they should call this the iPod. (laughs) Get it? No? Get it, guys? I E Y E pod? Fine, fine. These jokes just ain't landing today. But here's what's landing. I, I was surprised by this. 
maybe not landing. Do you remember those old campaign ads? Uh, you know, I'm a Mac, I'm a PC. I mean, they were absolutely genius. They personified both devices. They had John Hodgman as kind of the clunky PC user, and they had actor Justin Long, who was very, very popular at the time, um, acting as as the Apple guy, as the Apple machine or product. Well, I guess things have changed now because Justin Long, that actor, the former I'm a Mac guy, is now the spokesperson or person in the ads for Intel that is part of a campaign that is now doing Intel or PCs versus Mac and throwing shade on the Mac. I'm going to play the audio clip. It's only about 30 seconds, but you can just, I'll let you all hear this for yourself. Hello, I'm a Justin, just a real person doing a real comparison between Mac and PC. Come on. Okay, PC. It's a laptop. Aha, tablet, laptop, tablet, laptop. That's cool. Oh, and there's Intel. Nice. Okay. And now I got a laptop and it's just the laptop. Oh, also to get a tablet, I guess. And a keypad. Oh, and a stylus. <laughs> and a dongle? Yowzas. Yowzas. Um, you know, I, there, were, there were a lot of people, the, the loyalists, the fans that were upset about this. And they're like, oh, how much did he get paid? Oh, wait, he's a traitor. And my response is, he's an actor. And he also has to pay the bills. But I, I get why people are kind of annoyed and frustrated. And sure, he's made some money over the Times career, but I've got to imagine. Um, and let's put yourself in his position, or even if not, if you did an ad camp ad campaign, what was it? It might have been at least eight, ten years ago. I don't even know, but I'm thinking about it. Um, and time has passed, and then Intel knocks on your door and says, "Hey, we'll pay you. Let's make up a number here: five hundred thousand dollars to." be in our to be in our ad campaign now that you've learned and you're now switching over to using a PC and you used to be the Mac guy why not you know your friends and family are the ones who really care he does not care what we think but if he told us yeah i made 500k off of that deal we're going to be like good on you like sometimes you got to make a living you got to pay those bills and i'm totally okay with that not that i'm saying Some people might say, he's a sellout. He's an actor. He's an actor. That's his job, actually, to act. His job is not to review products and then sell out. His job is to be an actor. So I may be in the minority here. I loved you in the, I'm a Mac ads, but I salute you, Justin Long. Go get yours. And right now, someone just unfollowed this podcast because they are completely turned off by that. You're not. You ain't going nowhere. All right. Let's get to our calls, everybody. Remember, to be a part of the show, all you got to do is call in to record a voice memo. Don't call in. Record a voice memo on your device. Send it in to applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebitsshow with a Z. And tell us what you're thinking, your name, where you're from, and what you want to talk about. We have three calls here. We're going to first start off with James. And we have two calls of kind of issues and maybe complaints that you all should be aware of. So let's start off with my man, James. Hey, Brian. Uh, James here from Montana. Um, love the show, by the way. Um, I've been following you around since 2010 um, when you used to work for CNET and then moved on to your private podcast, which 
is still amazing. Um, I thought I'd send in a, a question about a potential purchase down the road. Um, I currently own an iMac 5K from 2017 and a MacBook Pro from 2014. And due to the increased performance of the M1 chip for the MacBook Pros, I'm really eyeing the new 16-inch MacBook Pro that is coming out later this year. And my thoughts were, have you heard anything about pricing and whether or not it'll stay the same? Since I know Apple pays additional costs for Intel and AMD for their hardware and their Macs, whether or not they'll pass on that cost savings to the consumer for the 16-inch, or they'll keep it the same due to the new mini LED backlighting. Anyway, awesome show. Take care. Bye. What's up, James? Hey, thank you so much for following up. You know, I'm so grateful for all of you who've listened and watched over the years and continue to follow my work today. Uh, I can only say thank you. It's amazing. And you have enabled me to continue to do what I love to do. And I'm going to keep on doing it and kind of give you the best content and give my takes and perspective and just feel blessed and lucky to do this. So let's get your question. Um, When you talk about pricing, yes, we actually saw the Mac Mini and the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro 13-inch. I believe they came in, or at least two of the models came in like $100 cheaper than the normal entry-level price of previous models. So that's on the table with the 16-inch. If they put in a mini LED display, you're right. The thinking is they'll probably just end up, whatever, does it start at $19.99 for an entry-level 16-inch MacBook Pro? I'm not looking at the page right now, but I feel like that's typically what they were at that space, the entry-level one. But here's really where they can save money. Um, Back in the day when they had the, there was a time where there was a 13-inch MacBook Pro. Man, if they still do it today, you guys can all correct me. But there was a version with the touch bar and a version without the touch bar. And that was roughly a $200 or $250 difference retail. I think it was $200. If they just, quite honestly, removed the touch bar, and many of you love it, many of you hate it, I'm on team touch bar hate. That if that saves me two hundred dollars right there for being a a piece of technology that I don't really use, give me that. So I'm actually looking for that to help drive the cost down. If there's an M1 chip, if there's a mini LED display, and there's no touch bar, you all can't give me the same nineteen ninety nine price. That's all I'm saying. So we'll wait and see. None of us really know, but I think that's the spot where they can really reduce the price of a MacBook Pro if they wanted to, if they decide, as rumors have been saying, to go and remove the touch bar or make it an option. We will see. My hunch is that they would remove it. They won't want to kind of create two models. So we'll see about that. All right. Now, these next two calls, these are issues that might be affecting you. I included them because I thought they were important to hear. So follow along here. First call comes to us from Micah. Hey, Brian, this is Micah from Michigan. Any idea if the iOS 14.5 is going to fix the camera bug? I can only imagine that it's a camera bug because um, ever since I got my mini, the live photos has been acting up. Videos have been fine, but the live photos are shaky. There's one point in particular where it always kind of glitches. Um, and that never happened with my 8 Plus. It was always buttery smooth for live photos. 
And my wife's camera on her iPhone 8 recently started doing the same thing after an update. Um, I've seen the same thing in the Apple store from an employee with a with an iPhone mini and um, the 12 Pro um, was doing was doing the same thing with live photos. I know a lot of people don't use live photos, but I do. I love them. And um, it, it, I, I miss having the smooth um, r- rather than choppy that I'm getting now. So I know iOS 14.5 is going to be released shortly. Um, maybe by the time this is, is on your show. Um, and I'm, I'm, I guess that's the main thing. Obviously the Apple watch thing is going to be cool. Um, for, for instance, I use Apple watch every day, um, for unlocking the phone when I'm at work and wearing a mask or whatnot. But, um, best thing I'm open for is, is, is the, uh, squashing that bug. Okay, Micah. So, you know, I did a little research-ish to see if this still exists because it's clearly you know and on the internet people have been talking about it. So I have an iPhone 12 Pro Max and I put the latest uh, iOS 14.5 Beta 4 on it that had recently come out and I took a photo with live photos and unfortunately that kind of stuttery loss of frames kind of glitch still exists in the 14.5 developer beta. So it doesn't mean that they can't fix it, but this is what the fourth or fifth beta already. This is, I wanted to at least put it on an iPhone 12 that I could um, at least test it and see if anything's changed. But right now, unfortunately, taking a live photo, when you're done with it and when you view it, just like you talked about when you hold down, um, it, it stutters in between the entire sequence uh, motion and kind of kind of pauses for a bit second but it still stutters loses frames so i just want to let you know that to keep it real with you that it looks like it has not been fixed or addressed as of yet so uh keep your fingers crossed my man all right okay and then the last call in it's a little longer but it comes to us from dennis he's talking about uh using apple trading with an apple card and maybe this has happened to you hello brian my name is dennis monahan First off, I'm a longtime listener and watcher of your show, and it's really a great show. You talk about the Apple ecosystem. Well, that's me. I have an iPhone, a MacBook, an iMac, an iPad, AirPods, an Apple Watch, Beats Wireless, all those things. I just wanted to both vent and give others a heads up about the Apple trade-in policy. Recently, I traded in my MacBook Pro for a new M1 MacBook Air. I charged the cost to my Apple Card. Of course, I used the old MacBook Pro until the new Air arrived. Then I returned the Air to Apple. Apple charged the full price of the new Air to my Apple Card. The money, when I traded in the return, they issued an Apple gift card to my iCloud account. This money is not transferable to pay down the Apple card amount. It's only used for Apple Store purchases or to purchase new items, apps, or subscriptions from Apple. I spoke to Goldman Sachs, who owns the Apple card, and they refused to accept it for payment. Maybe that's in the fine print, but it seems to me it's a very shoddy way of doing business. 
Additionally, while I followed all the written directions in removing the old data from the device before sending it to Apple, they claim I did something incorrectly and reduced the suggested trade-in value to 36% of the original estimate. I think you need to let your people be aware of using the Apple trade-in service. Take care, stay safe, and thanks for a great show. All right, Dennis, thank you so much for calling in. You know, I don't, that's a really interesting thing that you brought up of how they wouldn't let you use your funds in the ways that you expected. And I'm sorry about that. I mean, there's no way that I can personally fix that. But I did have actual same similar issues with the result, with an issue with the Apple Card and Apple Barclays properly refunding me a certain amount of money that literally took, I think it was around nine months to resolve. So, um, I don't know if anything can be done, but it sounds like the trade-in value was already reduced. Uh, but I'm sorry to hear that. I honestly just wanted to include it so that people that might be experiencing similar things might be a little aware of, hey, the Apple card may not be everything it's cracked up to be because I had a similar experience. Like I wanted to pull my my stripe out, pull my hair out, <laughs> but it was frustrating. So um, just want to let people know and empathize with you without offering a solution, which I hate. But I appreciate um, appreciate you listening and, and sticking with us. All right. All right, everybody. That is going to do it for this week's show. We'll just kind of continue to wait in the weeds. I feel like we're lions in the grass waiting to attack once Apple shows us a little sign that they're, they're, they're out there and we got some new products to get all over. So um, if you watch my channel, still, of course, I'll be doing the Apple stuff, but I got some cool stuff from Sony coming up. Um, got some cool kind of, I guess, geek culture stuff. I just recently did an interview with the director of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So we talk about what's going on with that show. If you're a fan of that stuff, I mean, sometimes, you know, we like a little cross pollinate, have some fun and, uh, got some other goodies coming that way alongside my normal Apple coverage. But quite honestly, I'm only able to do that because of you all supporting my channel. And I can only say thanks. So big thanks. We always got to acknowledge them. The Platinum Apples at the $100 Patreon level, Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frater, Jarrett Lewis, Eric Cohen, and Atari Koenigsegg. Thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you, all of you. You guys and gals have allowed me to continue to do this, and it's a blessing. So thank you for all that. We will be back next week like we are every week for the good and bad inside the world of Apple. Take care, everybody. Be safe. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. Peace.